Hey there, before we get started today, I just wanted to say a big thanks to Vitaly and Charge B for sponsoring this episode, which allows me to continue producing Churn FM as an independent creator. Vitaly came in at a vital time for me and perhaps they can for you too. If you're looking to maximize the productivity, visibility and collaboration of your CS team while increasing NRR and streamlining operations, Vitaly is the all-in-one customer success platform to help you do just that. They're also currently giving away a free pair of AirPods to all TrainFM listeners when you take a qualified demo with them. So if you're in the market for a CS platform, visit vitally.io forward slash TrainFM today to schedule your demo and get your AirPods. That's V-I-T-A-L-L-Y dot I-O forward slash C-H-U-R-N-F-M. And in other news, Chargebee just launched their much-awaited 2024 State of the Subscriptions and Revenue Growth Report. With an exclusive focus on retention strategies, pricing trends, and churn rate projections based on a survey of over 300 subscription businesses. I personally got an early sneak peek, and you don't want to miss this one. To grab a copy, you can visit chargebee.com forward slash churnfm. That's C H A R G E B E E dot C O M forward slash C H U R N F M. With that being said, let's jump to today's episode. Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show, we have Nick Magic co-founder and CEO of Matic. In this episode, we discuss the importance of effectively communicating the value you deliver to customers and how you can go about building an ROI calculator. We also ran through an example of how to set up a monthly review with your customers, the data sources to include, and how to set it all up. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode. And if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Nick. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be on. It's great to have you. For the listeners, Nick is the co-founder and CEO of Matic, a platform that connects data sources with data-driven content and makes it easy for anyone to create content with data tailored to their specific audience. Prior to Matic, Nick was a senior program manager for LinkedIn Sales Solutions. And my first question for you then, Nick, today is, what was the motivation that led you to taking the leap and starting your own company? Um, Well, I think that would... I'll kind of start from the beginning. I'm originally, uh, I'm an immigrant refugee. I'm originally from Sarajevo, Bosnia. And I think part of the American dream is to always, you know, kind of be your own boss or your own company. And so I've always wanted to take the plunge into entrepreneurship, but just didn't know what the right timing was. I'd worked at a few startups prior to LinkedIn as an early employee. So the company before LinkedIn was Blue Nodes Analytics. I was employee number five. It was in the customer success space. And so we were a competitor to like the gain sites of the world, the tangos of the world. And that's really kind of where I kind of saw the power of data and how it's used in customer success to fight churn and really focus on retention, right? And so when I was at LinkedIn, I worked on kind of building out internal tools for our customer success and sales teams as well as narratives. 
And we had that problem, right? Where we would come up with like a template for a renewal deck or a quarterly business review or a ROI deck. And there'd be a template that you would go to, Andrew, you'd, you'd make a copy of it, right? And there'd be placeholders that would say, hey, go to Salesforce to get this data point, go to Tableau, take a screenshot of this chart, go to Nick, he'll pull this data for you, analyze it in Excel. And we had a tool that tried to automate the process and I had the chance to rebuild it. And I just saw the impact that it had on not just the productivity for our sales and customer success teams, but also the impact that it had on business outcomes. When we use data, right, to tell a story with our customers, whether it's ROI or value, right, we saw that they had higher, better renewal rates, higher deal sizes, right, really impacted at the bottom line. And so I've always been passionate about data. My product is in analytics. My background's in product and analytics. And I just felt like the time was right. And I was kind of at the stage of my life where if I don't do it now, I feel like I'm never going to do it. And so my why that I always tell people, I think one, you know, given the background, my parents did a lot, sacrificed quite a bit to come to the US. I was young, saw them struggle quite a bit. So I wanted to show them like, hey, this is, I wouldn't be able to do this if you guys didn't do the things that you did. So that was like one of my whys. And the other for me was really, like I said, I didn't want to have that regret later on in life. My nephew was born. And I think that was like one of the moments in my life where I was at the hospital with my brother and we were sitting down and I don't know why, but it just made me realize how quickly time flew by. I was like, hey, we were playing in the playground yesterday and now we're raising kids. (laughs) But it just seemed like that was literally yesterday. And that was the first time in my life that I realized to which extent time really does fly. And so I didn't want to be older and be like, hey, I wish I would have giving it a go, right? So those were kind of the two reasons uh, for me. Very nice. Yeah, I think definitely like pivotal life moments are a great time to reflect and make like these big, <laughs> big decisions. But also I think you said like, you said something along the lines of if I didn't do now, I don't think I'd ever do it. But I, I don't know how true that is. I think like if you do do it, like it takes a special type of person. And I think there would always be that thing that would be eating at you saying like, come on, Nick, go do it. Come on, Nick, go do it. And true, so- but the opportunity, Opportunity costs are higher, right? Like I think the the longer you wait, I think the harder. I'm not saying that you don't have the itch. You may still have the itch, but it just becomes harder and harder to give up what you have, right? Yeah, for sure. I think there's a great quote that I love a lot. It's like, the enemy of a great life is a good life. And uh, (laughs) as you go in your career, you get more and more comfortable. You get more and more happier. So it becomes a lot harder just to give up that good life. Like You're not sure what the outcome is. I mean, at the end of the day, like startups are really hard business as well. So. Nice. And yeah, so you decided to start Matic. I mean, obviously, it's very straightforward, like the pain. It's something you experienced uh, there previously at LinkedIn and saw at other startups as well. Let's talk a little bit about like your customers and how they use your product today. So what are some of the main use cases for you? You mentioned things like quarterly business reviews, like maybe elaborate a little bit on that for us. So at a high level, we're, we're automating data-driven content, right? And the output is a PowerPoint or a Google slide or a PDF. Uh, right, that we're going and pulling, connecting to your data sources, pulling all the data and spitting out a narrative in one of those systems, right? And so primary use case today for us is customer success and sales. Customer success teams are doing business reviews, renewal decks, adoption reviews. One pagers are very, very popular, even this time of year where it's like, hey, here's your 2022 recap. Here's how you've used our product. Here's the value that you've gotten from our product, right? And so we work with a lot of B2B tech companies like Sauna, Glassdoor, Hover, Handshake. Those are some of our key accounts that we work with, and in particular in customer success and sales, where we're automating those narratives on behalf of their teams. 
That's very cool. So I'm assuming that you dog food your own product and you're also doing these things for your customers. So I think what I'd love to dive into a little bit now is like, let's maybe pick one of these updates that you're providing your customers with and walk through sort of like an end-to-end process, like how you decide what data goes to it. And so like, are you doing quarterly business reviews with customers or? Quarterly business, yeah, quarterly business reviews. So we use it both on the pre-sale side and we use it on the post-sale side. So on the post-sale side for customer success, an example is we have monthly one-pagers that we send to our customers, right? Which is basically a synopsis of how they're using our tool. The number of presentations they've generated, how long it takes to generate those presentations, who are the top users, who are laggards for enablement, and then some recommendations. I'm like, hey, FYI, here are the things that we recommend. Here are the features that you aren't using today that you should be using, right? And so for us, our goal, the purpose of the one-pager is to, one, provide visibility into how their deployment of Matic is going, how they're using our product, and to also entice them to use the full breadth of our product, right? Like, hey, you haven't used this power feature that you have access to. Book some time with your account manager to have him walk him or her walk you through that particular feature or product, right? Um, so the goal there is to really just show them the value uh, through usage, but then also be able to increase adoption across the entire platform. Very cool. Yeah, I think definitely like we've discussed this on the show before of having understanding like what your cost first value matrix is and where most of the majority of users lie. So cost being either a function of time or money and then whatever you're delivering to your customers. And obviously like one of the best ways then to reduce churn is really just make sure that your customers are even aware of the value that your product delivers. And if it's cost savings being valued and being able to illustrate that. Let's talk with you. Like how you sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, just one thing to add to that kind of sparks something that I think you're right. I think you may think of value a certain way, but at the end of the day, I think you need to be able to map that value back to a business objective that the customer really cares about. So I could say, hey, we save a ton of time, but if I can't tie that particular time savings to something that's really important to the decision maker or to the company, then it's kind of really irrelevant, right? And I think the matrix that you mentioned, I think is actually spot on. That's something that we're seeing within the industry is People buy your product or service. You could probably come up with a list of five to 10 con- that your product marketing team has probably come up with, right? Value props and then associate like, Hey, what are the usage metrics? What are the ROI metrics that tie to those value props of why people buy? And I think if, if you get in alignment with your customers early on in the onboarding process, Hey, here are the things that we are really going to focus on. This is what success looks like based on the outcomes that you guys are trying to achieve. And then tying those metrics over time to it, I think that leads to the ultimate success. Absolutely. I think that's probably one of the sweet spots that you can get to if you have a mechanism to be able to effectively track the final value that your customer receives. Like That's one of the best ways for you to then optimize against it. I think one of the interviews we had previously with Hardy Gibson, who was previously at GoDaddy, they really worked through sort of like what are their key metrics they were tracking? What did they consider important? Yeah. And they were working on their website builder at the time. Eventually, like they came to the realization that people don't come to them to get a website. Like if they're an online store, they come to them to drive sales. If they're a restaurant, they want more bookings. If they're a hair salon, they want X, Y, Z. And they were luckily that they're in the fortunate position where they actually track the number of bookings or track the number of sales through their e-commerce platforms. And then that became sort of the key metric that they could then reverse engineer and say, okay, most successful stores that are selling the most, these are the steps they took during their onboarding. Let's help others get to that success state as well. But yeah, I think it's not always, you don't always have the luxury of being able to track that value that your end product delivers. So I think like 
even in your case, like one of the obvious values is like the time it saves, but there is yeah. value to the end result totally. of uh, reducing yeah, it, which is like not so easy to quantify totally. or measure. So totally. how do you know? yeah. I think part of it too, it, you know, I think twofold. I think the first is you do got to make some assumptions, right? And so if you want to get down to, hey, retention, you can create an ROI calculator, right? That has some base assumptions about their average deal size or what the churn is today, right? And that at least it starts a conversation where you can then have that with your with your customer and be like, hey, what levers are incorrect? What levers are correct? And then you can kind of go from there. And you don't just do that on the post-sale side if you don't have that data, but we even do that on the pre-sale side, right? So, you know, if you are a, a CS leader at a company that's looking to buy Matic, I'm putting together a business case that is basically an ROI analysis that says, hey, you've told me these inputs. You've given me, here's how big your team is. Here's how much time you guys are spending. Here is, you guys are currently touching 50% of your book of business, but the goal is why aren't we are able to touch 100% of our book of business, right? And so based on these levers, here's the ROI that you can receive from Matic based on these calculations, right? So I think I think it's okay to have assumptions because it at least starts a discussion with you, with the prospect or the customer to then really understand, okay, like what are these really? And it's kind of like a discovery mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about it then, these monthly reviews that you set up and you send to your customers. How do you sort of figure out what goes into them? Where did you get started when you first set up the first version of yours? Yeah, so we look at content similar to the way that you build software. Right. So when you build a, a tool, right, you spend all this time, you work with engineering, they build it. It's not like, hey, once it's launched, the hands are up in the air, it's done. You see how people are using it. You see the feedback that you're getting and you're constantly making iterative changes. I think I love the saying, like, don't let uh, perfection be the enemy of progress. Right. And that's so true in the startup world. Content is very similar. You have a hypothesis on by talking to your CSMs or talking to your account managers or talking to your renewal people, what's been resonating, what hasn't been. You craft some sort of narrative around that. And then from there, you're testing and iterating. Now let's launch this narrative. Let's see how people respond. The next 30 customers respond to this. If it's positive, let's continue, right? If, if there's some feedback, let's tweak it and then launch again. So you know, part of it starts with a hypothesis, just like any story building. You start with the hypothesis on what you think value is and what for the ultimate goal for this piece of content. Again, the goal for this was adoption and just making sure that we were keeping our customers in the loop of the value that they were getting. And so we tried to tie everything back to that as well as getting it. The secondary goal is to try to get a meeting. Hey, if we're not able to meet with you on a monthly basis, hopefully this is the trigger. Like, hey, I'd love to talk about you know scheduling within Matic. Uh, I noticed that's a feature we're not using. Can we jump on a call to chat about it? Right. So you're then facilitating some sort of conversation with your prospect or customer. Yeah, I love that approach to content as well. I think the continuous iteration. It's funny, like it reminded me of a recent conversation I had with the accountant that we have. I'm based out in Cyprus. I have a startup as well, and my accountant was trying to ask me like, when does the project end? And I was like, it's a piece of software. It never ends. Like we continuously evolving. <laughs> He's like, no, but there must be an end date. Like, I was like, there is no end date. Like, this is uh, how software is built and iterated yeah. on. It's strange that, like, even here in Cyprus, the like the accounting practices don't cater for like the software world effectively, where there needs to be a defined period of R and D and there needs to be an end result. Yeah. Like, that's sort of the yeah. the approach here. But yeah, so you speak to your sort of sales CS team. You figure out like first iteration, what's going to go into it. I imagine there's different moving parts as well. So like you're sending updates to your client, 
there's data coming from different products or services. Like, how are you putting this together? Yeah. Maybe just like if you could give us like the bullet points of what goes into this report and then where like the different data is coming from or how it's sourced. Totally. I think you you kind of at the, at the start, you kind of have your like high level usage summary metrics. Like, hey, how many presentations you've generated? How many templates you've deployed? How many active users are currently using the product? And that's obviously coming from a, a database, right? We use a Redshift. And so we're able to kind of collect that connect Matic, our product, to Redshift to be able to kind of pull in that data and insert it into the presentations. And then you kind of have just some of those, like, you know, I would say finalizing touches, like your profile picture, right? Your name, your title, account information that lives in, in our case, our CRM, which is Salesforce. So we're pulling the user's profile picture. We're pulling their account level information from the CRM. And then, you know, uh, same with like feature adoption and, um, leaderboards, right? Who's using, who's not. That's also coming from our, our redshift. So for that particular use case, we have CRM as well as our database that we're pulling, pulling from. Very cool. And then these reports themselves, they're automated on a monthly basis totally. or it's something that like. Yeah. So. We have a scheduling feature where you can come in and say, hey, I want to run this for, as a rep, I come in, I select my accounts and I say, I want to run this every single month, send me an email with the reports, and then I can go ahead and send it out to my stakeholders at my accounts via email. That's actually something that that we're really interested in is we can create the content, but then how do we distribute the content? So that's something that we're really excited about for the future of Matic is getting into other narrative types outside of just documents, right? How do you automate? Because narratives can take multiple forms. It doesn't just have to be a document. If you think about it, it could it could be an email. It could be an SMS. It could be a video. Like those are all different types of narratives that you could use our dynamic content uh, in, right? Yeah, right. Very cool. And how long has the medic been going for now? I just wanted to give a quick reminder that our sponsors of this episode today are Vitaly and Charge B. Vitaly are giving away a free pair of AirPods to all qualified demos, so if you're in the market for a new CS platform, make sure to visit vitaly.io forward slash churnfm today. You can also grab a copy of the latest state of the subscription and revenue growth report by visiting chargebee.com forward slash churnfm and let them both know that I sent you. Now back to today's episode. Four years, but it feels like 20 years um, <laughs> in startup world. So yeah, we, we started the company officially, my co-founder and I. And my co-founder was an early employee at Box all the way to post-IPO. I met him through a mutual friend. We started the company officially in January of 2019. So worked out of my, my apartment, true startup fashion, and built the initial prototype. Got a few companies to test out the product and found some success. And that's what led to our seed round with Menlo Ventures. and then. You know, we really had a great two years to follow, which led us to raise our Series A with Andreessen Horowitz. That's awesome. What's been the biggest challenge for you? You said it's felt like 20 years. Uh, I'm sure there's been a few challenges along the way, but what would you say has been like the biggest um, when you're at? You know, I think if you would have asked 2000, when I was contemplating leaving LinkedIn, 2018, Nick, like where, you know, you're going to start a company and where were you? I would have thought, hey, I'm building the product. I'm you know, iterating because I'm a product person at heart, right? Like I love talking to users. I love figuring out what to, what to work. But honestly, the last four years, we've dealt with so many things outside of work, whether it's a pandemic. I mean, you know, we literally started a company in 2019. We raised a 3 million seed round. And then all of a sudden, three, four months later, people are lining up at the grocery store hoarding food because of this shutdown and this global pandemic, right? And so 
you deal with that, then you have to transition to remote work, everything being remote. And I think one of the best parts of a startup is that that ethos that you build when you are in person and those wins that you get when you are in a small office and you grow and you're like, hey, remember when we were in that office last year, blah, 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 and you have those memories. I think it's been a culmination of things, right? From external factors like the pandemic, like the war, social injustice, that you don't think when you start a company that you have to deal with those things. And I don't think most entrepreneurs have had to deal with those things over the past 10 to 20 years. But it's where we're at today. And I think that's been something that's been not a bad thing. I would say it's led to some really great conversations. And I think it's led to a great culture here at Matic. And that's been something that's really top of mind for me. Very cool. One of the things as well, when we build products, you never know sort of like how your customers are actually going to use the end product or what, what things you get surprised by. So with Matic, like what's been the most interesting surprise you've come across or use case that a customer has used the product for? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Part of startups is you got to focus. You can't boil the ocean, right? Like you have to start somewhere. So that's one of the reasons why we've started with customer success and starting to get into sales more now. But I think one thing is clear that this problem of automating data-driven content exists across the board, right? So we've, we've seen a lot of folks ask us to use our product internally. So for internally facing presentations, like, hey, I'm a PM. And, or better yet, I'm an FPNA and I put together this monster deck for our leadership team once a month. And it takes me three to four business days to put together because I run all these queries. I then have to update my Excel sheets, blah, blah. I'd love to be able to set it up and automate 80, 90% of it. And then just focus on the things that are more qualitative that I can, you know, focus on in the deck. Yeah. And so I think there's an opportunity for us to, to go down that path as well as other verticals outside of just B2B tech, right? Whether it's like marketing agencies or even finance, right? Private wealth, they put together portfolio updates. It's very data-driven and it's usually in some form of a narrative that they're sharing with their customers or prospects. Interesting. I want to ask you a question, ask every guest that joins the show. Let's imagine a hypothetical scenario. You join a new company, channel retention is not doing great at this company. The CEO comes to you and says, hey, Nick, you've got 90 days to turn things around. You're in charge. What do you do? The catch is you're not going to tell me I'm going to speak to customers, figure out the pain points and uh, think, well, I'm not going to look at data. You're just going to take one tactic that you've seen work at a previous company and run with that blindly, hoping it works at this new company. What would it be? And what's the problem is that they've got churn or they're not doing well? Uh, They've got churn and you need to reduce churn. Yeah. So honestly, first hack it would be, I would go and talk to the frontline people right? Like I'm not talking to any customers. I'm, I'm talking to the people who are working with our customers and just being like, Hey, they are the people that have the most knowledge about what's going on. It's not going to be your CEO. It's not going to be your VP, right? It's going to be those people that are interacting with your customers every single day. And there is a 99% chance that they have an answer. They just don't have the voice or they don't have the platform, right? And so my first task, if I were to start at a new company, that would be like, I'd have a one-on-one with every single CSM account manager AE to really understand like, what have you guys seen, figure out where the overlap is, and then from there, deploy a strategy around data-driven content. Like what can we do to showcase value to our customers, right? So, because at the end of the day, you have to be able to tie to value. So that would be, in a nutshell, what I would do is definitely just pick the brains of the folks that are on the front lines and, and then automate from there. Nice. Yeah. I was almost going to call you out to being a cop-out because you pretty much, instead of speaking to customers, you spoke to your team. 
But uh, seeing that the data-driven approach and illustrating to your customers how you deliver value, I'll let you take that one. Next up is, what's one thing that you know today about churn and retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career? One thing, I guess probably with the recommendation that I just provided, I've never been on the front lines well, until now, until being an entrepreneur, you're doing sales, you're doing a little bit of everything. But I've always come from analytics and product. And so early on in my career, I would, when I would support customer success and sales, I would think, hey, here's how you talk about ROI. Here's how you talk about value. And I would come up with this really cool visualization that I would come up with these really cool analysis. But at the end of the day, I can maybe talk to it, but I have to have a CSM or a rep who's not an analyst, right? Be able to speak to that to the customer. And then the customer needs to be able to understand that. So I think simplicity is something that early on in my career, I didn't understand the value of because I thought, hey, if I come up with this really cool model, or if I come up with this really cool, that's great. I understand it, but I need to be able to get other people to buy in. I need them to be able to communicate it. So just the fact of just being simplistic, whenever you're visualizing data, whenever you're sharing data, simple things, bar charts, donut charts, go the longest way, not some cool visual that I found on you know, a podcast that I'm following or a blog that I'm following around sand key charts or spider charts, right? People just don't understand those things. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting learning. Similarly, I've been guilty of it in the past as well of like overcomplicating things when really like it's the simplest solutions that ultimately get the most traction and get the most buy-in and usage as well going forward. And for the most part, probably are the most useful as well at the end of the day. Nice, Nick. So is anything like you want to leave the listeners with? I see we're running up on time now. Is anything you want to leave the listeners with? Like any last words you want to share with us today? Yeah. I mean, I think just for the focus of churn and retention, I think iteration is key, right? If it's not working, you got to iterate. Uh, I think a lot of the times we get stuck in our ways. And I think the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I think that is so true with customer success and preventing churn is you have to be able to be adaptive. And at the end of the day, I think especially in today's economic climate, tying things to value, in my opinion, is the biggest thing. It's You can't specifically rely on quantitative feedback. Hey, this user loves our product. Now the CFO is making every decision. You have to be able to tie it back to value, economic value, right? And tie it to a business objective. So you do that through data. Absolutely. I think it almost feels like the perfect storm as well for you and a product like Medic. So uh, for the listeners, we'll make sure we leave everything we discussed today in the show notes. You can check it out later from there if you want. Uh, Nick, thanks so much for joining today and I wish you best of luck now going into 2023. Awesome, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with churn.fm and be And with that, I just want to say a big thanks again to Vitaly and Chargebee for sponsoring this episode. If you do decide to check them out at vitaly.io forward slash churnfm and chargebee.com forward slash churnfm, please make sure to let them know I sent you because tracking podcast advertising is traditionally very difficult and I want to make sure we deliver value to them both so that we can retain them as our sponsors. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you again next week.